Welcome in. It's another edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you. It's our first episode of June, and since we last spoke, uh, some personnel changes, some interesting recruiting developments, to say the least, um, and we bring you up to speed here over the next half hour or so. Uh, Sean, I'm back from Florida. Our audio is on point, I believe, for this podcast, and uh, I think it, you know, I don't think it was that bad last time, but, uh, you know, when you're a thousand miles apart, you kind of got to put some things together, so uh, thanks for bearing with us last week, but uh, I'm back up here, and it's still kind of rainy Happy Valley, which is what it was last you're week. You're red-faced and bushy-tailed, uh, ready to go, <laughs> and you did not forget your cord in Florida. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're back at it. Uh, uh, Penn State, not much, not a ton going on as we get into camp season, which started over the weekend with Penn State doing their specialist camp and having a couple of, uh, of satellite stops in, in Michigan and in, in eastern Pennsylvania and uh, Georgia as well. So uh, not a ton coming out of that, but uh, we're getting there. We're getting through it. Two camps this weekend, so that's going to be visit, uh, excuse me, busy. Official visits coming up. Just a, a, a mishmash of things to talk about. N- nothing Overly interesting, but at the same time, a lot to, to, to spew on. And Sean, as we record on Wednesday afternoon, 87 days, we got a countdown going on the site. Uh, just something fun that you, myself, and Mark have been doing, kind of taking different guys, current players, former players who had that uniform number. So in case you're wondering how many days are left, you can always check that on lines 24-7, and, and we're going to count down there with you. But uh, some interesting stuff, Sean. You were the first out in front with a couple of transfer uh, stories that, that came out towards the tail end of last week into the weekend. Uh, let's start with the, the, the addition to the Penn State uh, roster that we're looking ahead to, and, th- and that's going to be Jordan Stout, kicker coming by way of Virginia Tech. And, and you were the first to report that there was a scholarship available for him, and you were the first to report that he was going to accept that scholarship offer. So that special teams room with a new coordinator uh, gets, a, gets another talent. We stay on top of the kickers here at Lions 24-7 like nobody else, and let me tell you. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's a situation where we're going to get into the season. We're going to think about overlooked or, or underrated additions in the offseason. I think Jordan Stout's going to be right at the top of that list. Uh, just huge on kickoffs last year for Virginia Tech and Penn, and Penn State last year. Raf Cheka didn't do a bad job, but he did a good job for a true freshman walk-on. But if you compare side-by-side side where Penn State is, or excuse me, where Penn State was last year with kickoffs, touchback, Per, uh, percentage and things like that and compare it to Jordan Stout I mean there's no comparison whatsoever and that's the type of addition that can win you an extra game I mean you're, you're not getting uh, long field or excuse me long uh, kickoff returns busted on you and and things of that nature so he can come in he can make an addition or make a man I am struggling today make a uh, make a difference right away I just got done mowing the yard so I'm just kind of uh, on fumes right now but uh, he can make an, a, a, a very good addition right away because he can kick off. You know, he can punt if you need him to. So that'll be something. He's got three years of eligibility remaining. That'll be something that he can, uh, you know, try and take over when Blake Gilligan leaves. He can also push Jake Pinnegar as, uh, you know, he'll do the field goal, uh, the field goal spot. So it's just one of those over overlooked things, underrated things. When we get into the season, I think Jordan Stout can make a big difference for this team. That's what stood out to me from when I read your your breaking story on that is that you know this isn't just a, a, a you know a one trick pony as a specialist you know he talked about being able to compete for that punter job next year which is going to be extremely key uh, and then you got Jake Pinniger who certainly you know finished better than he started in the regular season last year but he's a guy that is going to have to prove it again over and over for the next three years and at the very least here is another uh, you know player that's going to be in the mix to push him compete with him and and you mentioned. Checa, obviously the, the heat's going to be on him to hold on to that job and considering what this kid has already proven at the 
Power 5 level last year with Virginia Tech. Uh, extremely efficient. And between him and Blake Gilligan, Sean, if Stout does get this job and, and he is as effective as he was last year, when you combine those two guys, those weapons on special teams with what we think this defense can be, that's a really nice combination. Yeah, and, and this special teams unit is, is I think, is definitely going to be improved. You're not going to get a ton worse than you were last year. And, of course, knock on wood and everything. But, uh, I mean, with, with Joe Lorigan there, with Gillikin as the, the veteran, you would think that Pinnaker is going to make some strides in the offseason. Um, you just it's just set up for success there and uh, you've got guys covering kicks that are a little more athletic and we, we they will throw freshmen in there like they did last year with guys like Lucetta and by the end of the year Trent Gordon and, and things like that so you're athletic there and if you don't need to chase them down that's a good thing uh, I looked at Jordan Stout's high school film this week because I'm a glutton for this stuff um, it was it was pretty funny and, and to see where this kid couldn't get a scholarship somewhere I mean this he was just pounding them and it was mostly kickoffs he played in extreme rural southern southwest virginia which we talked about bluefield on on the air last week with sean martin and isaiah johnson this is like beyond bluefield i mean this is uh this is out in the middle of nowhere they've got cars parked all the way around the field basically and he's just he's banging them through the uprights off the kickoff so very strong leg legitimate scholarship leg and and I'm gonna skip around on our uh, on our, our our list here because I went to the special teams camp over the weekend and we talked about last week we expected somebody to get an offer and then maybe turn around and commit right away. Well, that didn't happen. And and I'm looking at the special teams camp and you look at the difference between. Uh, I was talking to somebody about this this weekend. You look at the difference between the guys that are out there and the walk on guys and the scholarship guys. The scholarship guys, and of course this is not a video, but scholarship guys are up here. Walk ons are right here. The guys with the, that I was watching. Aren't that weren't that scholarship level? So Penn State really not willing to give out a scholarship. They're going to keep looking at guys, guys like Sam Johnson, the, the top punter in the country by Cole's kicking, are going to come in later this month. Uh, they, they've got options out there, so maybe not as sold on taking a punter in the 2020 class as I was before Jordan Stout committed. So now you've got some flexibility there and see what happens. So I think there's just a ripple effect uh, of, of what Jordan Stout can do. Uh, conversely, we talked about uh, George Campbell, who was, who was supposed to be here as a grad transfer. Penn State tried to get him in. Grad school did not work out. He's popped up at West Virginia, has signed, and I believe enrolled at West Virginia. West Virginia is at least um, uh, uh, flaunting him out on, on social media, which you obviously have to have some paperwork signed before you can do that. By the way, a third West Virginia safety just entered the portal by the time between when we started recording and now. So that's uh, some interesting things going on down there for Neil Brown. Um, but yeah, George Campbell was a guy that they were coming in and hoping to sort of strike gold with. We've talked about what kind of an athlete he was, although the, the numbers did not back that up at Florida State. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you're back to square one. You were looking for one, maybe two grad uh, transfers. Weston Carr came in this weekend and, and enrolled at Penn State for, in grad school this weekend. So it's just uh, it's, it's just spinning our wheels here. But uh, Campbell out, Carr in, and it makes a difference. Yeah, and the Campbell thing was interesting because, you know, you and I both avidly following recruiting, we've known about him for several years. We talked about it on the podcast, how he, you know, tested off the charts and, and was a five-star recruit coming out of the, uh, you know, the prep scene in Florida. Um, to me, you know, both of those guys, the wide receivers, meaning Campbell and Carr, being one-and-done players, you know, these are not long-term investments. You're looking for plug-and-play and, play and uh, guys who maybe can produce for you right now. Carr, because of what he's done, I don't care what at level, at what level, but you know he's been out there, he's proven it. 
Um, most for the most part, a healthy product. Uh, Campbell's had you know run-ins with inconsistencies and injuries, and um, my thought process has always been leaning towards Carr being a more productive player for Penn State this year. Obviously, now you know th- th- there's only one option as far as an incoming grad transfer. But strange set of circumstances because this is one that we've been talking about. Hey, Campbell's coming to campus, uh, and then all of a sudden, it, you know, it happened very quickly, and I think you were like. Well, it looks like he deleted his commitment announcement uh, from back in February, and uh, pretty soon after that, you got the confirmation that, that he wasn't going to be here. So all of a sudden, West Virginia West Virginia is going to get this guy. But I think anyone who thinks you know Penn State lost a five star transfer, they lost a former five star recruit who was a five star recruit four years ago. You were looking at more of a, I think, a, a major boomer bust where he could become maybe a vertical threat for you. Um, I did not see George Campbell though taking on you know a major role and kind of reversing course of what we saw for him in four years at Florida State. And this isn't new. If you listen to the podcast, you knew that we were a little bit, bit more bullish on Carr. But I think Carr can uh, slide into that Z, uh, the, the Z position be, behind Jahan Dotson and make a bigger impact. Um, but I was extremely intrigued to see what George Campbell can do, and and I think that's why Penn State wanted him in. I mean, you just you, you just strike a match and see if you can hit. But uh, I mean, Campbell's not going to be here. Weston Carr is going to be here. The receiver room a little bit more mature than than it was at the end of the season, uh, or excuse me, when we were looking at it back in February. Um, so I mean, it's it's one of those things where they've got talent there. They don't have much experience, but you, you like what they're going to do. If you're going to start fresh. George Campbell's probably not that guy. So you're going to start fresh with guys like Shorter and George. You're going to see what you have out of those redshirt sophomores and Hippenhammer and Sullivan Brown. And you, I think you pretty much know what you're getting with K.J. Hamler and, and Jahan Dotson. And then you go, you sort of go from there and add Carr to the mix, add Dan Chisena to the mix. I uh, don't know if Isaac Lutz will be in there, but he did get a scholarship in the spring. And then the two freshmen coming in from Florida. So you've got options. You've got bodies. You need somebody to step up and, and be that guy. Yeah, and, and as you said, you know uh, the potential is there for Campbell, but you know what is he? Twenty two years old. You've got a lot of guys on this roster who are nineteen, twenty years old, carrying their kind of potential I, I with those you'd physical. Rather, you'd rather sets. see Justin Shorter get those reps. You know, it's just, right, right. And it's nothing against George Campbell, but you you've got these young guys that are that are talented that we've seen flashes from, and it's not just Shorter; it's George and and other guys. You, you'd rather it, see them get those reps. And it's those two guys we mentioned last week, Sean, the now or never guys, you know, Hippenhammer, Sullivan, Brown. We call them now or never guys. You know, they've got their only redshirt sophomores, so they've got a while to go in terms of eligibility. But here at Penn State, feels like a uh, you know a year where it's going to be convincing on, on what lies ahead for them with the Nittany Lions. And again, uh, you know, get them their routes. And uh, it, it will be interesting as you look through that group, Sean. You know, Ten receivers on scholarship. I, th- I think with the Campbell, uh, you know, the conclusion of the Campbell recruitment, whatever you want to call the transfer news um now we kind of have some clarity on what this group is going to look like there are 10 scholarship guys you know two of them are former walk-ons and, and i'm with you i think lutz you know is a valuable special teams commodity uh justin is someone who is you know compelling as heck and anybody who thinks uh you know he's going to disappear you know that's ultimately usually the track record with some of those spring camp stars and spring game stars uh, but I think this kid's going to get his shots, and, and I think it will be there for him. And he's in his final year. He's, he's a guy who's been on a college campus now since, what, 2015. Uh, so accountability is there with him. Uh, I just I, I think, you know, you look at the freshman last year, shorter, 
Dotson, George. To me, I thought you'd see at least two of those guys, um, you know, be in the mix to burn a red shirt. Ultimately, you had one. If shoulder's healthy, you probably do have two. This year, I don't quite know what to make of John Dunmore, TJ Jones coming up, what their immediate impact could be. So again, that leads you to think uh, it's George, Shoulder, Dotson. What are you going to get out of Hip and Hammer and uh, and and uh, Sullivan Brown and of course Hamler, um, who I think it's it's funny everybody is kind of like you know set it and forget it with Hamler, uh, but you know he's going to face challenges in his second year as an active member of this football program because he's going to get the counterattack from defensive coordinators who have a year of film on him now. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. There's just so little track record in this group, as we've said in the past. Um, and Weston Carr is the guy uh, that comes in with, with the, easily the most college grabs. But as we said, Division Two. But uh, as I think with the Campbell thing, Sean, we can kind of like at least wrap our head around, okay, here's the group. We still don't know who the top four or five guys are necessarily going to be when things shake out. Uh, but with Campbell out of the mix, it, at least that becomes a little bit more simpler to dissect. And you mentioned that Weston Carr was on campus, uh, another new member of the Penn State football program, getting to campus, checking in Sunday afternoon, Devin Ford. Uh, we spoke about him last week and, and the impact he could maybe make at running back. If you missed it on lines 24-7, we actually had uh, Devin sharing some thoughts uh, about the people who helped get him to this point. And I'll tell you what, if you read that, and, and, and that is exactly who Devin Ford is. You know, No one wrote that for Devin. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's somebody who is extremely thoughtful. And I've said it before. I just think he has the mature mental complexion along with the talents that led him to be a premier running back prospect. He's just a little bit different than the average guy you're getting on campus at 18 years old, even among blue chips. And I think that him and Noah Kane both have that in common. They have been preparing for this point of their lives since they were freshmen collecting offers from power five schools. They kept proving it and proving it and proving it in high school. And here they both are on campus. And um, I'm not going to count those guys out for anything. I know a lot of people want to want to do the, the you know, Journey Brown, Ricky Slade uh, are the guys. You know, Journey Brown, I, I've seen a lot of Ricky Slade in high school. I've seen a lot of Ricky Slade. Well, some Ricky Slade last year. You know, Journey Brown's the one guy to me that you know, he's going to have some pressure on him. I think you mentioned him being kind of a, a fringe now or never guy only because those two incoming players, well, they're there now. Uh, it just makes for a really, really charged up running back group when you talk about youth. To be honest with you, I think we forget how good Devin Ford is. And that's that's something yeah. that we kind of got away from in the fall because he was playing slot. He was playing safety. He was playing some outside linebacker, just making plays for that team. And by the way, Penn State offered his freshman running back, Tevin White, last week, who's a massively talented uh, 2022 kid. Um, out of the same high school that uh, we've been hearing a lot about him from his coaching staff for a long time. But uh, yeah, I think Devin Ford, just really good football player. Just, and that's what you need. I mean, you're talking, um, you know, it, it, does he look great in pads? Does he look great in shorts? All that kind of stuff. But I mean, you just, you just fl- flip on the tape and this guy, wherever he's lined up is, is the best on the field. So I think that's something that we kind of get away from. Would have liked to have seen him come in in January and see what he can do, but I still think he can play right away. Yeah, and the freshmen will continue to come. You'll see the whole freshman class on campus uh, within a matter of weeks. And obviously, a, a large portion of that group ha- has been around since January. And they got a nice head start with winter conditioning and, and spring camp and, and in the classroom and, and in the film room, of course, as well. Um, turning the page uh, to, to, to 2020, uh, the talk of the 
college football world in recruiting, obviously entering last weekend, Sean, was the commitment of Julian Fleming. Um, needless to say, a major miss for Penn State in-state. Um, and it leads us, again, to readdress the wide receiver position because you're still looking for your first commitment there. And Julian Fleming has been the, you know, the guy at the top of that flagpole for a very long time in terms of who you were looking to get on campus. And now that he's committed to Ohio State, uh, again, it's an opportunity for, for us to say, there are a lot of names out there. Uh, we think there are some that, that hold higher precedent, but I would not be surprised if it's any combination of a lot of this group. Yeah, we have, uh, I think, over a dozen names written down here, but a couple things on the uh, the Fleming thing. First off, uh, you mentioned earlier Justin Shorter was injured. I don't think he got that memo. Um, it, was, it was very interesting comments from him afterward where he basically laid out Ohio State's entire recruiting pitch to him in that Justin Shorter did not play last year as the number one receiver in the country dislocated knee had a little bit to do with that but who's counting there and then of course the response after his commitment was absolutely pathetic by some of the uh the ridiculous underbelly of this fan base was was really terrible and really embarrassing um to to you know the the fans out there that are probably listening to this podcast. i hope i hope the people tweeting at him are not listening to this podcast i'll say that so um be, beyond that wide receiver recruiting you're talking about the top of the board guys um, past fleming and and nobody's fleming i mean he's a phenomenally talented kid um Probably going to be a very productive guy and can play in the pros, uh, just uh, physically talented as anybody that we've seen uh, in Pennsylvania probably uh, for a couple of years now. But uh, Keandre Lambert's going to come in this weekend on an official visit. Uh, as I mentioned earlier this spring, very high on this kid. Saw him at the Nike camp. It really did some spectacular things there, competed really well. And that's probably the most impressive thing is that he was out there. Um, you know, taking every rep that he could, and that's not something you see from receivers at, at these camps. And Jaden Dotton, uh, who's been very quiet lately, but I still think Penn State heavily in the mix with him. Of course, Michigan's in there, a couple other schools as well. But those are the two that I'm focusing in on. And and this this weekend, I think is going to be a big one for for Penn State and Keandre Lambert. Um, you've got an opportunity to sort of set the tone. Not sure I love him coming in so early for for, for Penn State's uh, point of view. Um, because he's going to visit some other schools, and I think Clemson's going to be able to evaluate him further um, going on into the summer. So these two kind of set the standard. Malik Megas coming in this weekend, going to work with the staff. Uh, would not be surprised you know, if the staff really loves him because he's a big kid and he can run. He's 6'3", 195, ran a 4'4 at that Nike camp, was the fastest man at that Nike camp, did really well. Um, and then Christian Fitzpatrick out of Michigan, they got a chance to see him again over the weekend at the Grand, Grand Valley State camp. Um, and he came in and earned an offer a few weeks ago. So just a couple of names that, that have floated out there. I know that we have more on the list here, but those four just kind of uh, just stick in my head. Maybe they're, maybe they're not above everybody on the list, but they kind of stick in my head as, as realistic options for Penn State. Yeah, and, and I've long said, well, long said uh, as in maybe like oh, six weeks now, <laughs> that, that Lambert beyond Fleming to me is the most impressive running uh, re- receiver that we're talking about in this conversation. And I'm with you the timing of this. Um, Fans are not going to like this, but uh, Brian Doan reporting this week that he is slated to use an official visit at Ohio State the following weekend. So he's going to be at Penn State and then apparently at Columbus based on uh, Brian's reporting. So, And you mentioned Clemson, heck of a team to, to deal with right now on the recruiting trail uh, with Lambert. But, um, you know, I think, you know, and, and just readdressing uh, the Fleming thing, and I talked about this last week, and a big thing he, he's going to point to, and I'm surprised it wasn't more the, the, the point. He could just easily have pointed to production, and I think that would have been a very a valid, valid thing. And, and look, anything Julian Fleming says about his personal decision about where he's going to college, 
if it's valid to him and it's part of his decision, more power to him. I think the kid's going to be a star wherever he ends up. Uh, can't sign until December. But I think with this Penn State receivers group, the again, the complexion changes. If you can get through that first month of the season and guys like Justin Shorter and, and Jahan Dotson and Daniel George are all of a sudden names on the rise in a positive way for Penn State and, and Clifford is slinging the ball, assuming he's your starting quarterback, won't take very long for perception to change regarding the Penn State offensive attack. However, I will say it, it, it would be very easy for a negative perception to be hammered down. And if you didn't think other programs on the recruiting trail we're laying out Penn State stats from last year in the passing game and pointing to some of their coaching changes on the offensive side of the football and, and what's gone on there in the past uh, year and a half. Clearly, you understand that now. That is a, a case that is being made against recruits going to Penn State. And surprise, uh, that goes on in recruiting. Yeah, it happens, and, and and everybody does it. I mean, that's uh, Penn State's not immune to that either. So, I mean, it's it, it's one of those things that happens. I think the thing to point to if you're Fleming in that situation is well, continuity's not there. Gaddis was there. David Corley came in, and you know, didn't really set the world on fire. Now they've got a new coach. Now Brian Hartline's a new coach, but he's been around there for a while, and he's he's connected with those guys for a long time. So, I think it's kind of different in that situation. Um, we'll see what happens with Fleming, and we don't want to spend too much time on that because I know there's a lot of frustrated people out there listening talking about or tired of listening and hearing things about Fleming but wait Sean I got an idea Penn that? State picked up a commitment oh oh okay hey. we got more receivers here to talk about but let's talk about Olufashanu I mean that's uh that's a big get for Penn State a sixth offensive lineman and really a true tackle in my my opinion uh six five and a half six six uh, anywhere listed from 320 to 340 uh, i think on the the official penn state graphic had him at 340 i heard uh, this weekend he was right around there big big kid um this is a guy that uh you know i like a lot and it's not in the general sense and we've talked about this in the podcast before when you're taking a look at film you're not necessarily looking at him mauling the 190 pound defensive end uh, across from him although he plays in the wcac uh down in dc uh, maryland area so he he plays against pretty good competition but you look at the way he bends you look at the way he moves I saw him at Nike a couple of weeks ago and sure he had trouble handling the 5'11 185 pound defensive end that eventually won the MVP but yeah when he when he knew what he was doing when he got into his sets he was pretty pretty darn spectacular invited to the opening finals which I think said a lot you know I talked to Ronnie Torres a little bit I know you talked to Ronnie about him um, after the, the, the opening camp, but just a, a oozing potential is this kid. And we have him as a high three star. And I think that can go up. I think his game tape's got to get a little bit tighter. He can do, he can do some things to improve plays for a very good program at Gonzaga. Um, but I mean, this is a kid that's got a lot of potential. I like him a lot just based on his athleticism. Once he figures out the game and he's going to go to the opening finals and he's probably going to get beat a good bit, uh, cause he's not really sure what's going on at this point. Once he figure out, figures out what he's doing at that position is just a, a really, really high level prospect. Uh, and yeah, and I've seen some really good eventual college offensive linemen look pretty darn bad at the opening finals. It's just kind of the way it works with the with the structure out there and some how some guys are developing. I do think with Olu, uh, sixth offensive lineman to commit to this class, and we're talking about the first week of June. We mentioned a long ways back that you know, before Grant Tutant became the first member of this class last season. That offensive line, uh, the offensive perimeter of, uh, uh, at tackle was going to need to be a priority for this class, if not the priority. And boy, oh boy, as Penn State addressed it in a big way. And, and of those six, 
Uh, you got some serious size. Tutant, because of his size, tips the scales a little bit. Actually, it's more of a height thing. Uh, but they average six foot four, three hundred and fifteen pounds across the board between those six guys. And you've probably heard it by now. Um, they're calling this the wall of Penn State. And I think Jaywan Sider put up a, 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 a something on Twitter as like, "Hey, running backs, we got a wall free to run behind." After that commitment from Olufashano, and that's more than half of your class right now. And, and those guys are very vocal and very active as recruiters. You like to see that offensive linemen a lot of times have that big personality. Um, and and it's really just an interesting group. I haven't really seen this before covering a, a team closely where it is so centered upon the offensive trenches. And now you kind of turn the page and say, okay, well, let's go fill everything else out now. Well, you're going to throw numbers at position, and I think that's kind of what you have to do, especially in the portal era. They lost uh, Alex Gellerstead, and they lost a couple of linemen to the draft early. So it's you know it's not uh, the typical um, you know uh, level of attrition. Of course, Juice Scruggs, you expect him back, but at the same time, you know you kind of have to account for that in case you can't get him back. So. Um, I think the last time they took this many offensive linemen, 2009, uh, was a group when they took seven offensive linemen led by Eric Shrive. Um, and eventually the lowest rated guy in that group was John Urschel. He's the guy that ended up in the pros. Um, so, I mean, it's not always the right situation. You've got guys that can play in this group and that's what I like. Uh, a little concern uh, and, and depending on who you talk to, it's personal preference. I like my guys that are six five, two seventy that, that that have that athletic base that can play. You're talking about three or four guys that are over three thirty right now or three twenty five. Um, so, I mean, you're going to have to take some weight off, see what they've got athletically, put some of that weight back on. You know, Parks, you, Parks is probably a little bit heavy at 330. Uh, is probably a little heavy at 340. Achumba, of course, was up at 370. Now he's in the 320s. So you, you'd like to see some of them uh, ditch some of that weight. And, and, you know, eventually in a college program, that'll happen. So um, personal preference, you, you'd probably like to see a guy like Josh Fryer, who was, I think, uh, 6'5", 290. Um, I've been barking up that tree for a while. Of course, Michael Carmody is is about that size as well. He's an athletic kid, very good basketball player. Um, So you'd like to see them add somebody like that. But I don't think they're done at six. I don't think they they aim to be done at six. Um, But yeah, it's a it's a really good group. And I and I feel like I'm nitpicking when I'm talking about those guys being too heavy because they can work that off and that they have some athleticism. Even if you take a look at Aaron Park's shuttle, which Ronnie tweeted out last week, he was among the top shuttle um, runners among offensive linemen, and he's doing it at 330, and these other guys are doing it at 270. So um, pretty pretty cool um, uh, group to come together. You see them on social media. The graphics team's working overtime for these guys, and they're working overtime recruiting. So it's a, it's it, it's come together really well for Penn State. Now they just need to start stacking up at a, a couple different positions. And, and you, want, you mentioned about the size of these guys. It does go against the grain a little bit, Sean. I think about a month ago after the draft, it was Barton Simmons, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of had a, a full review of, of, of what these linemen who are being top, you know, picked at the top of the NFL draft these days, what they looked like coming out of high school. And it's amazing how many of them were you know, 250 pounds. Um, you, know, you think of, of 300 pounders is just what you think of with offensive linemen. A lot of those Penn State guys look that way, but um, it does buck the trend a little bit in, ter- in terms of what we're seeing. And it's funny, and I'm kind of going to go off on a tangent here, but if if Penn State takes a kid right now that's 6'5", 250, and they take him as an offensive lineman, they get laughed at. I mean, that's that's where we're at. I mean, you're, talk, you're talking about you don't see Alabama going out, Clemson going out, and getting these guys that are, you know, the, these projects that you're going to eventually have to invest a couple of years in and and 
you know, 50 to 60 pounds in to get them where they're going to go. So, and, and that's not saying that's the right way or the wrong way, but it's just, it's funny to think about if Penn State, the reaction right now, if Penn State took a guy that's 6'5", 245, and he wasn't a tight end or he wasn't a defensive end or something like that. It's just, it's funny to think about the, sort of the line that you walk as a major college football coach. And, and, you know, maybe somebody breaks that trend. Maybe somebody goes that way. And you see a lot of these guys that go to max schools and, and go to some of these lower level schools as those prospects and, and prosper that way. Um, you know, maybe that's the right way. Maybe it's the wrong way. I don't know. It's just, it's funny to think where, where the outrage would come if Penn state took a kid that was 240 pounds and said, Hey, we're going to make him an offensive lineman. It can also be hard to, to convince some of those kids when they're, when they're athletic in that size, that they are not going to be tight ends in college. Show them the contract <laughs> numbers. That, that'll help. <laughs> yeah. That'll help. Yeah, that absolutely. Um, Sean, going back to wide receiver, because we did shortchange that conversation a little bit. Uh, you know, there's a lot more names than, than the ones that we mentioned. Uh, Leonard Manuel, another guy who, who's approaching a visit in June, part of that big official visit weekend. Uh, you mentioned Parker Washington has some buzz going on. Um, there's a lot of names, and this is kind of the point that, that you don't really know what the collection's going to come up as uh, at receiver in December. It's a difficult. A.J. Henning, Marcus Roseme, Michael Redding, Bryce Gowdy. Uh, not a lot of these guys are local. You're talking about guys who, who would have to travel a ways to get on campus. Um, I'm just curious, though, Sean, because you're the one who compiled this list, essentially, for our, uh, kind of our conversation point. Among that kind of hodgepodge of other names, let's call them, because maybe they haven't been at the forefront of the conversation, like a Dotton, like a Lambert, any, any, anyone particularly intriguing to you? Uh, I'm intrigued by, uh, ooh, wow, that was bad. I'm intrigued by Michael Redding. I think he's, you know, just sort of fits what Penn State, you know, you don't want to say that the Penn State type of kid or model or anything like that, but he fits what they were looking for. Marcus Roseme, obviously a, a teammate of Derek Wingo's at, at St. Aquinas and in Fort Lauderdale, and he's talked about coming up to visit. So, I mean, all these guys are intriguing, and Penn State's sort of putting in the work behind the scenes for a lot of them. Some of them mention them in their top tens or whatever. Um, but yeah, they, those two kind of stick out because I still think that, you know, Jaywan Sider's doing a tremendous job in Florida. They've got a couple of kids coming up for, for official visits in June that maybe didn't seem like they were on the radar just a, a week or two ago. Um, but uh, I, I think it's one of those things where I, Penn State, if they're going to take three receivers, I think one of them's probably going to end up being from Florida, and that might not develop until, you know, later in, in maybe Lash Bash, maybe for the whiteout game for an official visit or something like that. So I think I continue to look at Florida. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where we're going to see a wild card at some point, and that's probably where it's going to come. And there are, uh, at this point, only two scholarship receivers on Penn State's roster who, who need to move on after 2019 because of that's how the NCAA eligibility works. That would be Weston Carr uh, transferring in, and then Dan Chishina, who is a fifth-year senior at the university. So a lot of guys potentially returning there. Of course, we know the transfer portal is a big deal in college football, so stay tuned there. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Well, it is top list season, uh, of course, of cross college football. When isn't it top list season? But but a lot of guys now gearing up for the final summer break of their high school careers. Many of them want to make a decision before senior season. So no surprise to see some lists being trimmed. A um, few notable ones, Sean, here in the past few days. And I'll start off with a kid who very well be uh, may be the, the best tight end prospect in the country. He's considered a, a five-star athlete by 24-7 sports. Teams love what he could be at tight end. That's Eric Gilbert, um, a kid who's got a a ton of interest from a lot of schools caught 88 passes for more than 1200 yards and 14 touchdowns last year also a star defensive end um penn state's on this list they've got him on campus it's gonna be a battle though it's gonna be quite a battle yeah you're right we talked about eric gilbert a couple weeks ago and it's uh tyler bowen's fighting that fight i don't see him ending up here but at the same time they've they've done they've actually done a pretty good job recruiting him and that's the thing uh you don't it's wins and losses when you're talking about recruiting it's not so much the effort but they've made a pretty good effort there and uh, it will he get back to campus. There's been talk about him coming to the whiteout. He was there last year, uh, really enjoyed the experience, but I think it's just distance and trying to get past, uh, Georgia and Tennessee and Alabama and all those schools. I, I don't see that happening, but to be there, to be the only big 10 school on his list. I mean, that, that, that's something you can take away. You can show other, other kids out there. We mentioned even Penn state's on Darnell, uh, Washington's, um, uh, Darnell Washington's top 10 as well, and he could be back for an official visit. So, I mean, it, you, you're getting in with some of these guys. You can show the other guys around the around the country that you, you're making an impact and at least getting at, getting the brand out there and still doing, doing a pretty good job in that angle. Yeah, not all recruitments are created equal, but, uh, you know, sometimes when you have a hat on the table, um, it, it's, 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 it, it's a good thing. It, it's a good for the brand. Other times you expect to have it, and when it's not picked up, you're angry. I don't think that would be the case here with Gilbert. Um, a name that's more familiar uh, and a guy who's been to camp more recently, uh, Macari Page, uh, safety at a South Bloomfield High School in Michigan, same high school where Penn State picked up uh, Lance Dixon, a five-star linebacker in 24-7 sports ratings, got on campus in January. Page was here in May um, alongside Christian Fitzpatrick, who we mentioned came away with an offer at receiver from that trip, um, and, and he's down to seven, Sean. A Big Ten heavy, as you'd expect. Uh, Ohio State is there, Michigan, Michigan State, um, Purdue, and Notre Dame. Um, you know, this is one of those names we've talked about at safety for a while as being a priority. First off, I think you're getting your Bloomfields messed up. He's West Bloomfield, not oh, South geez. Bloomfield. I mean, come on, you, you, can't, you can't get your Bloomfield. I haven't. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, went to Kentucky, or excuse me, going to Kentucky this weekend for an official visit. The one I'm looking at is going to Ohio State, June 21st. I think the Buckeyes are, are probably the team to beat. Um, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State up at the top of that list. Um, so, so we'll see what comes. What's funny about Makari Page, he was just here in May, and that's a win to get him here in May. 
but then you got to turn around and almost get them right back on campus in June. And that can be a really good thing, or it can also be a bit of a hassle. So if he wants to decide in the summer, which I think he's talked about doing, you got to get him back for that June 14th weekend. And that's going to be, you know, a little bit of a stretch to do so. Uh, so in, unless he decides to, I guess, uh, wait it out and see if he can get into the season and do those and, and, and extend his recruitment, that's sort of a tough turnaround to, to have. So that June 21st visit to Ohio State is going to be big. He's very big on the Buckeyes, but also very big on Penn State. I think Penn State still has a shot here, but they've got to get a couple of uh, string, probably string a couple of strategic visits together, whether that's lash bash and the whiteout. And, then, and that's a theme I've seen with a couple of kids. They're trying to get them to lash bash. They're trying to get them maybe to an early game like Buffalo, which is a night game. Um, and then you're trying to get them to the lash bash, obviously, or excuse me, the, the whiteout, obviously. So you get a couple of strategic uh, visits pinned together for some of these guys. I think Paige has to be one of those guys. If you're going to fight off Ohio State and especially Michigan, who's pressing hard as well, if you're going to have to fight him or them off, then you got to get him back on campus a couple of times. Yeah, and sorry, Paige, uh, yeah, West Bloomfield, and also uh, don't want to disrespect Lance Dixon, also out of West Bloomfield. Uh, another player in Big Ten territory, Sean, that, that has a top seven list out. Um, maybe not a name that others are familiar with, Juton McLean. Uh, he was offered midway through his junior season uh, out of Fairfield uh, High School in Ohio. Uh, that's a program that produces Power 5 talent pretty consistently. Uh, this kid is now focused on these seven schools. It's Kentucky, Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska, Ohio State, Penn State, and Purdue. Essentially, almost identical there uh, to Page's uh, top seven, just to swap out a team. Um, you know, this kid is ranked seventh among all-purpose backs in the two four seven sports composite. Monster junior season, two thousand plus all-purpose yards, thirty-five touchdowns, and uh, he's a guy that ran a four-five-nine forty-yard dash at the openings regional circuit, uh, a four-point-zero-nine agility shuttle, which actually stands out more, I think, than that forty-yard dash. But uh, running back is a spot where we've said, hey, the names that you knew a couple of years ago. That, that were kind of the foundation of that target board. They, they have been finding other landing spots, whether it's Marshawn Lloyd, Chris Tyree, um, Jalen Berger. Obviously, he's not gone yet, but certainly exploring. There's a name that, that's on it, but I think until he actually gets to campus and, and he's told uh, several people, including 247 Sports, that he wants to commit July 4th. So um, I, I think that means if, if I don't see Penn State hosting him on campus before July 4th, I, I, I don't really think that Penn State's going to end up hosting him on campus for the next four or five years. And he's talked about visiting that weekend of the 22nd, but I don't think it's been set up. Uh, Bill Green's been on that one. Kentucky, I think, is is the leader. Vince Marrow's doing some work right there, as, as he usually does in Ohio. So uh, one of those situations where you've got him, you've got Diamante Trianum, uh, Michael Drennan's also out there in Ohio. So a couple of good backs in Ohio. Um, it, Ohio State's uh, running back recruiting is obviously going to have a trickle effect on some of those guys. Kendall Milton they had in last week was a five-star uh, or is a, is a five-star by 24-7 sports. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to see what's happening with uh, with the Buckeyes, and you're going to sort of go from there. Penn State, of course, hosting uh, Trianum uh, for an official visit in June 22nd weekend. If McLean joins him, you can maybe make them a realistic option, but so far he hasn't popped up on campus. So uh, it's going to be tough to – I'm right there with you. It's going to be tough to label them a contender without that visit. So those are three names to know right there uh, coming out with the top list. And, and the only one who has that upcoming commitment date, McLean. Uh, some big official visits to, to uh, mention here, Sean. You mentioned uh, already Keandre Lambert uh, coming to town. Uh, but he's not alone, and, and they're coming from near and far. Yeah, a couple of other guys coming in this weekend. Isaiah Rakes, who we've talked about a bunch on the podcast, uh, 
sort of a shorter defensive tackle, uh, very stout. I mean, six foot, a half inch, a three twenty five between three twenty five and three forty, depending on who you talk to. Um, very good motor for that size, but uh, it's just uh, you, you don't want to see him get too big. He's going to come in. I think Texas A and M's made a good impression with he and his buddy Fidel Diggs, who is of course committed to the Aggies. Penn State wanted to get Diggs on campus this weekend. Doesn't appear to be happening. Uh, Ty Hamilton's a really interesting kid. Um, was probably a little bit more interesting in his recruitment before Ohio State offered. Of course, his brother Davon is a defensive tackle for the Buckeyes. Um, he's not very far from Columbus as well, so uh, they're going to have a chance to make an impression. They had him on campus in the spring, offered him there. They like him as a defensive tackle. He's about he's one of those guys that's about six two and a half, six three, uh, two hundred fifty five pounds, and you can build those guys up and be athletic defensive tackles. And then Court Williams, probably the most interesting guy this week. Weekend. He was here for an unofficial visit with the Bosco kids over the winter, or I guess in early spring or whatever it was. Um, but this kid is is so dang athletic uh, as an outside linebacker, potentially as a safety. I, I have him as an outside linebacker long term. He's 6'1", 217 right now. He's going to be a senior in high school this year, so do the math, and that's usually how that works out. Um, but Court Williams, very high on Penn State's board. They want to make an impression. Ohio State, of course, has made a pretty good impression. We, we have this theme going here. But uh, Ohio State's made a pretty good impression. He's been to a bunch of schools, gone to, I think going to Clemson and Alabama and doing that whole thing uh, after he visits Penn State. So uh, it's going to be a bit of a long shot just based on the distance and based on things. But Court Williams, I think, is genuinely uh, interested in Penn State. It's just a matter of uh, can he get through all the other things. Yeah, and, and Penn State, I think you know this is mission accomplished when you're talking about hosting all those guys from, from across the country, trying to make your impression and trying to get that return trip. That's what it's all about, trying to get some of them or one of them. It's one mission accomplished. It's you one. You can't think of it that way because it's obviously all about wins and losses and recruiting, but uh, it's, oh, of it's, course. it's definitely a big, uh, you know, perception-wise and just showing a little bit of, of, of the effort they put in. Terry Smith's out there. Of course, Joe Lorig has recruited California before. Tim Banks has been out there, and you've got a ton of kids at this school, and if you can get in there, and that's why they offered them all at one time. There was one day where they offered, I think, eight kids from Don Bosco. That's a bit of the visibility and seeing you know, that, that they're wanted at Penn State, and, and that, that's a pretty good move on Penn State's part. They ended up getting, I think, five or six of them on for unofficial visits, maybe get two or three back for official visits. So it's all about uh, sort of chopping away and getting, getting there. But, yeah, you're right on one sense that it is uh, an accomplishment. Uh, it's not the end goal, obviously. And we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, they, they sort of got to blow Court Williams away this weekend. I guess it, it means you checked off the first box you were trying to check off in terms of getting them back to campus because these kids went on a heck of a tour. I think Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, they started at Penn State. And needless to say, they have plenty of places to visit on the West Coast for football as well. So to see them making the trip back here, central Pennsylvania, not the easiest place in the country to get to. Uh, he's not the first one that I think you'll see get back here too out of St. John Bosco. Or they could go somewhere and then transfer there before they even play it down so which is apparently the usc way lately this is just this is wild it's this is that is a whole different conversation and, and a whole podcast episode on its own but yeah it, it, two transfers and uh before during a freshman year it, it's been crazy following some of these uh these freshman transfers um chris Steele was even money though Everybody, anybody could have bet on that and they just they wouldn't have gotten odds for it because that, that that was bound to happen so it's been yeah. wild well it, there is going to be a, a another camp here another uh actually an annual event here a seven on seven action um a ton of teams will be represented on the fields uh at state college and university 
Park, I should say. And there's going to be a bunch of names to know. Uh, this was where Julian Fleming got his offer a couple years ago. This is where you usually see some offers. Landon Tangwall was part of the big man challenge that's going to be part of this as well this weekend. Uh, when he was an eighth grader ascending to ninth grade, that was a moment where he really got Penn State staff attention. So, Sean, there's going to be a ton of players in the football field. Obviously, you, myself, Mark, Going to be trying to tunnel vision a little bit, but always an interesting event. And if the weather's good, um, you know, it's, it's going to be an afternoon of, uh, you know, kind of some eye-opening stuff. I think you're going to find out who's ready to compete, what guys duck away from competition a little bit in seven-on-seven. I, I haven't personally seen the big man challenge, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see who's there and, and expecting one of the biggest men that Penn State is targeting in that group. Yeah, uh, you mentioned good counsel, Landon Tangwall. Uh, they're, they're usually a, a regular at this group, of course, uh, Dwight Galt's sons, Tommy and, and, and Deej, played at Good Counsel. Will Flaherty, who's a, a, a player personnel guy, coached at Good Counsel. They've got some uh, they've got some connections there. So Good Counsel is supposed to be there. But it's going to be a bunch of teams. They've actually, uh, I guess, sort of reset their philosophy with this. They had so many teams and so many players coming in the last couple of years in this team camp. Now they have two of them. So there's one this weekend. There's one next weekend. I think it's a good decision. You may split up the talent a little bit more, but you can fill both of those uh, both of those up with teams. Gonzaga's coming up. Caleb Williams is going to be part of that group. So um, you've got an opportunity to, 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 to build your brand and go from there. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. You didn't mention the weather and I didn't even think about the weather, but it looks like uh, 78 and cloudy. Those clouds are uh, already on my top performers list because this is a long day out in the sun usually. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be exciting. And then the following day, Sunday, there's a, an elite camp. It's for Penn state's first elite camp of the year. Um, bunch of guys coming through the, the ones I've highlighted here that I've written down that uh, PPI group out of Europe, uh, Penn State offered uh, Gyro, I'm going to mess this up badly, Gyro uh, Feirus and Richard Ayakum, um, two defensive backs. Uh, that was actually not bad, and I, I, I'm actually pretty proud of myself for that. But they've offered two defensive backs last week, and I come to camp and see if they have what it takes and, and, and go there. They've also got other athletes. And how about Joseph Darkwa? I mean, Brandon Collier, who, who leads this group of PPI, and they've been at Clemson and Alabama. I think they're going to Ohio State uh, in the next two days, and they're going to be at Penn State this weekend. But uh, Joseph Darkwa popped up on Twitter, 6'5", 290, and he's going to come in this summer. Um, and he looks very, very different from when he was a 255, 260-pound prospect just a couple of months ago. He's the mystery man, right? I mean, I, I'm really curious to see, you know, getting some eyes on him. I'm assuming on the scout team in August and into the fall and uh, just – Obviously, someone I have not seen in person because I uh, can't really afford that plane ticket at, at the moment. So I think it, it, you know, I think you did a great job, by the way, pronouncing those names. Uh, I just want to go on the record there. Um, really strong. Uh, and I, I think this weekend, by the way, Sean, um, in retrospect, 2017 seven on seven tournament champion. Can you name him? It was my. It was the first one I covered. Oh man, he no, was not. No. He was not committed to any program. And uh, Micah Parsons went out there, oh, went out there, that and, and felt like he caught about twenty touchdown passes over the course of the day. He played a little cornerback, uh, and it was interesting seeing him up there getting the trophy from James Franklin because that was still at the point of his recruitment where all bets were off, and and Penn State didn't really seem like the the destination quite yet. Uh, so 
little I throwback remember that there. because they they almost got beat by Gateway, who actually um, had Jaquan Brisker, who um, obviously took a roundabout way to getting to Penn State, but Brisker was fantastic, and I. And I think I remember calling Brian Doan. I said, hey, what's up with this Brisker kid? And obviously academics were something that were, were a challenge to him. But, man, that, that he could play back then. And, and I think that, that year, what, Laquetta was there and, and Pendridge was there Tar-Burton. with Nick Tarburton. And, um, and then we go back to last year and Caleb Williams is there and Kyle McCord's there who's now committed to Ohio State. A bunch of good quarterbacks were around. And, and it, it, it's, it's a fun event to watch. And, and there's a lot of competition. And it's seven on seven. So that's, you know, that's one thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably the most fun from a camp aspect aside from it being all day long on Saturday. It's one of the most fun ones to cover because the competition level is certainly uh, very high in that aspect. Well, as things develop there, whether it's top plays, performances, new offers, we'll keep you posted on lines 24-7. Uh, Sean and I will both be out there. Plus, we'll have a developing visitors list, uh, not just for this weekend, but some key weekends coming up as the official visit window is about to close until uh, the season starts. So all that and more on lines 24-7. Uh, for Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. Stepping away for now, we'll catch you on the next episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast.